0: Hello, and welcome back to the Glossy Week in Review podcast. I'm your host, senior fashion reporter Danny Parisi, and I'm here with our international correspondent, Zofia Zviglinska. How are you, Zofia?
1: Hi, very good, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm good. This is a a holiday for us in the States, but not for you. I think you're the only Glossy member who will be working Thursday and Friday this week. (laughs) But yes, American Thanksgiving is happening Canadian Thanksgiving already happened, I think. So this episode will be coming out the day after Thanksgiving. I hope that those of you listening uh, are recovering from your Thanksgiving meals. Um, We're going to make it a little bit shorter today. We're just going to talk about two topics, but I think they're both meaty and they're kind of both related to the same topic, which is luxury retail. First, we're going to talk about some of the kind of controversy around Saks Fifth Avenue that's been happening the last couple of weeks, particularly their ability or inability to pay the brands who give them their product. Um, And then we're also going to touch on Gucci filing lawsuits against several luxury retailers for allegedly selling counterfeit goods. Two separate topics, but they're kind of both centered on this theme of luxury retail, which I feel like is in kind of a weird spot. So let's start with, with Saks Fifth Avenue, though. Over the last few weeks, there have been uh, rumors kind of swirling about Saks Fifth Avenue. There was a post on Estee Laundry uh, saying that Estee Lauder was suspending shipments to Saks Fifth Avenue because they could not pay on time. And then this week, Business of Fashion confirmed by speaking to several brands um, that the re- the retailer, uh, Saks Fifth Avenue, was just uh, very late in payments. And the, the delay has been getting longer and longer starting in like the spring to the point where Merchant, which is a firm that oversees wholesale orders, was no longer insuring orders to Saks because they deemed them basically a credit risk. So it's it's crazy to me that such an established luxury retailer would just be straight up not paying or taking months between payments uh, or between delivery and payment um, in such a kind of high stakes industry. Um, So I've got some thoughts on that, but how about you start, Sophia? What do you make of- Sax's situation.
1: Yeah, I think that based on some recent conversations I've been having, like, multi-brand retailers are in trouble. Um, And for a lot of them, I think that this year has been a sign that if they don't move with the times quickly enough, um, and they also don't, like, implement technology into their inventories, then they get you know, a lot of costs, which I'm assuming is the reason um, why a lot of these brands are being paid late simply because there are, you know, either cash flow problems or there's some kind of an issue um, with, you know, holding on to credit.
0: Yeah, it it definitely seems like there's something deeper going on here than the, the kind of explanation that Sachs gave was that there's slowdown in the luxury industry. We all knew this was happening. And so it's just there's less demand and we're just navigating that. That's definitely true. You know, we've heard from a lot of luxury brands and retailers the last couple of months that demand is slowing down, especially from the kind of highs of the last couple of years. Uh all the big luxury brands are seeing slowdown in their sales. That's all normal and expected and probably is a factor here. But I feel like there's got to be something deeper, too. I think you allude to some issues that big multi-brand retailers have been having kind of in general. They they definitely have more of an overhead. They have more costs, um, I think, than the brands. Um, maybe they're more you know, affected by economic things. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. There, there's got to be something more to this than just that. Because a lot of people are affected by luxury slowdown and not all of them are delaying payments by months, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I'm wondering like how that compares against kind of other multi-brand retailers in the States. Cause obviously I think there's been quite a few which have had some trouble. Um, But Mm -hmm. usually the luxury ones, they've kind of held out. Like, it hasn't really affected them in any big way. And um, the kind of earlier problems this year haven't really affected them either. So I'm wondering if it's something specific to Saks or whether they are just having some kind of an issue with wholesale.
0: Yeah. Well, and so Saks did announce that they had raised $340 million in funding this week um, to help fund operations, uh, presumably meaning just pay everyone that they owe. But that seems to me like a short-term solution. You know, are they just going to be right back in the same situation six months from now? Um, that's very possible, especially if it if it is a kind of a deeper problem and not just a temporary cash flow thing. Um, I'm not sure. You so you mentioned that you know multi brand retailers would do better to um, incorporate some more technology into like their inventory management and stuff like that. Are there specific things that you've you've seen or heard about that? you think they should be looking at?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that when you're talking about, you know, this kind of scale of inventory, it's always that aspect of, you know, should buyers just buy whatever they want essentially based on whatever the um, trends are according to them or should they work with, um, you know, some kind of an AI or forecasting um, technology to kind of help them out a lot. Um, And I believe when I was at the London Fashion Week, I was speaking to someone from Wine App and they were saying that, you know, they don't just rely on their own kind of predictions. It is very much kind of tech enabled. Um, So I'm wondering what that looks like with Saks. I've always felt that, you know, they are quite, forward on their technology. I believe they've had some recent investments earlier this year in that aspect. So I'm wondering if that has just been implemented on a wider scale or perhaps whether there are some issues with implementation. Um, You know, sometimes when there is a lot of staff who are not as tech savvy, um, it can take a long time to kind of implement the necessary kind of turnaround um, just around, you know, that technology implementation.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and just in general, it feels like a little bit of um, crisis time for luxury retailers in particular. Um, they have, I, I just feel like they've kind of lost their status as taste making gatekeeper for the luxury industry, you know, when, that they had for a long time. It's still, I think, a big deal, especially for an emerging designer to be carried in Bergdorf Goodman or Sachs or something like that, but, or Selfridges, but um, maybe just a little bit less so, especially for an established brand. Uh, I don't know. So that's just like an interesting kind of space that they're in. And it relates to this next topic I want to talk about, which is Gucci, which filed several lawsuits this week uh, against multiple le- retailers in the luxury space, uh, mainly Lord and Taylor. And then the other two are Sam's Club and Century 21, which are not exactly luxury retailers, but both of them sell and have sold Gucci. Gucci sued all three and alleged that they all three knowingly sold counterfeit Gucci products. Um, the Specific terminology that they use. This is from the lawsuit with Lord and Taylor. It said that the retailer, quote, manufactured, advertised, offered for sale, sold, distributed, imported, and or exported handbags bearing marks that are identical to or highly similar, sorry, identical to or highly similar to the Gucci marks. I highly doubt that Lord and Taylor was manufacturing fake Guccis. I think that's just the the legal terminology to cover the whole gamut of counterfeits. It's much more likely that they sourced some Gucci product from maybe a less than reliable source and it turned out to be fake. And maybe they, whether they knew or not, maybe they suspected they kind of just sold it anyway. I think if you don't know much about how the wholesale kind of industry works, you might think, well, it just comes straight from the brands. And like, it definitely does sometimes, but that's not the only way that wholesale works. The big retailers source their stuff, especially like some someone like Century 21 that has new stuff coming in all the time. They source it from a lot of different suppliers, and it is much easier than you think for fake stuff to slip in. They're not just buying straight from Gucci. Again, I've got thoughts on this. I'll throw it over to you, Sophia What do you make of this?
1: No, yeah, it's quite interesting. I'm having a little look at them now because obviously I'm not as familiar with the um, US kind of, I guess it's like a party retailer, and they sell like Louis Vuitton and Chanel um, handbags and all kinds on there. So I'm wondering if there are going to be other allegations from brands or whether they're going to start checking them as well. Um, but if I can they, definitely if they imagine. Sell it. Gucci,
0: sorry, I was just going to say if they sell fake Gucci, you can bet they probably have other fake stuff on there too. So, but yeah, yeah go
1: ahead. Exactly. They got like Saint Laurent, Balenciaga, um, Badgley Mishka, like. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting assortment to you know start playing around with, and I think that it's just a kind of wider sign of brands taking hold of their inventory um, and also just like brand image. I think that also, as you said, like it relates a little bit to um, that kind of Saks kind of story, um, where basically brands are a little bit more worried about how they're being presented in these multi brand retailers and whether that is diluting you know, the way that they want to be perceived and whether it actually might make more sense to bring that to their own channels. So I think that Mm -hmm. with this lawsuit, it's kind of a similar thing where, you know, Gucci's like, we don't want to dilute our image. It's, you know, we've got questions around whether your products are legitimate and whether they're really coming from us. Um, And also it's just, you know, it's a bit of like an announcement to the rest of the industry that they're not really tolerating fakes anymore. Um, I think some brands have kind of kept one eye half closed to to that side of the um, market for quite a while now. And I feel like this year, especially, that aspect of counterfeit goods has become like a real headache for them. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm not surprised that Gucci's doing that. And, you know, they've had some issues with sales over the last couple of years. I think they've started to rebound a tiny bit. So I'm wondering if this is just part of that, you know, tightening of their brand image
0: yeah, I mean, you're I think you're totally right about the idea that brands and and retailers too have kind of a little bit tried to just ignore the problem for a while. I mean, the for luxury brands, their whole thing is their image, and they need to control their image. And I can see why they'd be upset by a retailer selling fake product because imagine you've never owned anything Gucci before. You buy a Gucci bag from Lord and Taylor and it's a fake, but you don't know that and like the quality is bad. And then you're like, oh Gucci's actually not that great. This Gucci bag sucks. Uh, you know, that's damaging to them. So I see why they uh are are cagey about it, or not cagey, um, touchy about it. The retailers obviously want to keep those brands, you know, happy, but there is an incentive for them to kind of not care too much or not look too closely like you see this with amazon amazon gets accused all the time of having counterfeit stuff and fake stuff and misleading stuff but it's in their interest to just have as much stuff flowing through amazon all the time and just kind of hope that people don't get too mad about it to the point that they have to do something like they want to do the bare minimum and and you know not to make the retailers here sound too malicious but they definitely like if they can buy Gucci product from a seller that's not Gucci and get a really good deal on it and sell it and keep it under the radar enough that nobody cares like that they benefit from that you know they get to pay a little less but it's sort of like on an individual level when I'm when I'm looking around for like watches for example if you see a watch on eBay or something and the price is too good to be true it probably Mm -hmm. is too good to be true you know it's like there's a reason why it would be cheap like that so anyway that's a long rambling way to say, I agree with your point that I think the brands are, are getting more um, vigilant about that and not wanting to let retailers get away with, you know, just letting fake stuff flow through their, their shelves. Um, There's also, I forgot what I was going to say. I was just about to go down some other rambling path and now I forget what it was. Anyway, I'm just going to stop there. (laughs)
1: That's all right. Um, Yeah. I think that, um, basically I, I talked to um, the management consultancy Bain who come out with their luxury report every year um, and they basically said that that kind of monobrand leading the industry is going to be a bigger and bigger thing and that like these department stores um, and kind of these specialty stores are going to struggle a little bit so again kind of calling back both to Sachs and kind of the story and authenticity and how luxury brands are going to and be thinking about those things coming into next year, because I think that's what we're looking at now. You know, it's nearly the end of the year and brands are thinking about what is going to be key for their strategies next year.
0: Yeah. And I, I remembered what I was going to say. One final thing is, you know, I think this is uh, counterfeits is are one of the kind of main examples of the downside of wholesale. Like we were saying, it can be really great, especially for an emerging designer to Get your stuff on the shelf in Nordstrom or Saks or some or Neiman Marcus or something like that. That can be huge, um, but brands are always tell me all the time that one of the main downsides of wholesale is that you don't have full control of the product. You just sell it to a department store, and then it, they sell it or they you know they handle it however they want to, um, and that goes beyond just like oh they 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 the lighting on my bags in the store is ugly. Like they're not doing a good job of like <laughs> making it look good, which is something that brands sometimes complain about. Like they're not selling the product in the way that I like. But it also mm-hmm. goes to like other more damaging things like selling counterfeits or, you know, selling even if it's a real bag maybe, but they're selling it in like a bad condition or so, you know, there's a lot of ways that when as a brand, when your product is being sold by somebody else, um it, you can like chafe at that because it's not, they're not being a steward of your brand. And the the retailers always use terms like that to me, like we want to be a steward of this brand's image and like we want to do right by them and stuff, but they don't always. And I, it's clear when the brands are unhappy about that and why.
1: Yeah, definitely. And actually just to kind of toot the technology horn just a little bit more is mm-hmm. um, with all of these kind of department stores and specialty stores, Brands have a harder time getting the data on kind of how customers interact with that product as well. And I think that in some ways that is also one of the reasons why they're kind of less keen to go that route. As you said, like emerging brands, it's still a great channel, but I think for anyone kind of getting slightly bigger or thinking about, you know, what are the ways they can think about customer acquisition, um, that data is almost like the most important thing. So without that, it's very hard to make those inroads.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, cool. Well, I think that's all the time we have. Sophia, uh, thank you so much for being here. It's great to have you on.
1: Thank you so much.
0: For those of you listening, don't forget to give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to this podcast because that helps us out a ton. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the Glossy Podcast because you'll hear interviews with industry insiders every Wednesday and we can review episodes like this one every Friday. Um, yeah, I think that's all for me. I am going to finish up and go home and see my family and eat Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, all right. Until next time. Thanks for listening.